Hey everyone, it's Cheryl and Tony. Buckle up for this Wednesday edition of the Disney Drive Time Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Lots of news today. Eh. Some news eh? today. Yeah, lots of news. You think there's a lot? Yeah. I looked for the news, so I don't know if you know how much news there is. So let's start with um, a story that I'm kind of excited about for other people. I mean, it doesn't apply to me, but um, hundreds of plant-based dishes are coming to Walt Disney World. Uh, looks like a lot of vegan options, and they're going to have a like icon that will be next to those menu items. So let's see, October 1st at quick service locations and October 3rd at table service locations, Walt Disney World will launch the plant-based menu icon and introduce new options at the theme parks and resort hotels. Um, more than 400 dishes. Wow. So some, some that they're showing here as options at La Salière, uh, steamed Asian dumplings, plant-based meat dumplings served with bok choy, Chinese long beans, red peppers, and radish in delicious and fragrant. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Asian broth. Asian broth. Um, and then over at uh, the Skipper Canteen. I mean, there's 400 of them. Are we going to go through all 400? The look of death does not translate well. Go ahead. You, on the podcast. You do the stories. What's next? Um... No, so it's just uh, Magic Kingdom uh, debuting their menu in October. If you're in Disneyland out on the left coast, there are plant-based options coming in spring of 2020, um, as well as across the world, uh, Disney Paris, Hong Kong Disney, Shanghai, and the Disney Cruise Line, uh, which is going to have a plant-based chili dog, so I hope we get to try that when we go on our cruise in January. Um so yeah, if uh, you want some plant-based options, get ready, uh, get your palate ready because they're coming. I'm surprised that they didn't that Disneyland is coming after Disney World because I think there's probably more vegans out in California, right? Um, but I think it's a wonderful thing. Oh, I have a friend who's vegan, and we've I've been to Disney World with her before. There were not a lot of options, um, and sometimes when there were, it wasn't clear what they were. So you'd have to sort of look through the menu and and decipher whether they might be something that was vegan so right. it's nice that they're not going to have that icon so. but I, I you know on the other hand disney world does have a lot more international travelers and a lot of uh, you know maybe a lot more of the international community is a vegan plant-based meat-free type menu yeah that's true i, I don't know they know what they're doing though mm-hmm. i mean i still need to try one of those impossible burgers i've heard they're good I mean, you know, you can get it at Burger King. I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm it. not going to get to the parks. I'm going to have to try it at our local BK. That's what the kids call it, BK. Yeah. yeah. So tonight we're trying something different. We have all the stories up on um, the iPad instead of having every single thing written down. And it's causing me to need to, like, I don't know. Slap me? Yeah, slap you a little bit. Because you just keep, like, scrolling through things as I'm trying to look at them. Okay, well, why don't you give the next story? How about you just don't touch it? Okay. Okay. Um, so the next story I'm also excited about. So many things I'm excited about. Um, it's the new Disney and Vera Bradley collection. It's set to debut on September 26th at Disney Springs and Shop Disney. May I scroll so you may see the rest of the story? Now? I will scroll. Thank I'm a you. good scroller. Um, I love Vera Bradley. The, this design is that same sort of paisley design that they do on a lot of their um, products. It has 
Mickey Mouse, it's like his full body, so sometimes standing, sometimes laying down. It features the castle, uh, Mickey Mouse balloons. It's on like a black background. It has some um, bluish purple in there and pinks, a couple of different pinks. So it's it's cute. And its so, official title is Mickey's Whimsical Paisley. Nice. So I would really like some Mickey's Whimsical Paisley. You can put that on my Christmas list. Well, if you were a little nicer to me, perhaps you would get something on <laughs> September 26th when the collection debuts. And it will also be available not only at Disney Springs, but on Shop Disney as well. Fabulous. But not for Cheryl. Not for me. No. I'm fresh. You are. Um, the 27th Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival is set to bloom on March from March fourth to June first, twenty twenty, at Disney World. Did you make that up yourself? No, that's no. what the title oh, okay. is on the no. Disney Parks blog. There we go. So, what about that? Um, so, the dates from March fourth through June first of twenty twenty is the twenty seventh Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. Twenty uh, seventh year, uh, you know, as usual, outdoor kitchens. Uh, the Garden Rocks Food Concert, uh, Garden Rocks Concert Series. Wasn't it Food Rocks at one point? No, that was the show that was oh, in the land. Right. It is the longest running Epcot festival. Uh, it is known for its themed topiaries, and the uh, Epcot horticultural team is going to introduce a brand new Remy topiary, which will be the centerpiece of the Ratatouille Garden at the France Pavilion. This garden will be planted with veggies used in the traditional ratatouille recipe. Um, so with the debut of the new Remy ride coming in France, it's it's going to be a big uh, Remy year mm-hmm. around the uh, around the, the park. So yeah, f- uh, this is one of my, probably my favorite festival, the Flower and Garden Festival. I somehow managed to get there almost every year, even though I never planned to be there. Um, it is now a 90-day celebration. When it started out in 1994, it was only 38 days. So much like uh, the Halloween parties where they've just, you know, grown and grown and extended the season. um, These have gotten longer and longer because they are so popular. So. All right. And this year they're going to have uh, raised bed or in-ground gardens of herbs and produce uh, in the outdoor kitchens. Uh, thousands of bedding plants in every color of the rainbow will decorate the landscape around Future World. I think it's one of the greatest times to get pictures it's, it of, is the, of the Epcot Park. Although I don't know how it's going to look with walls everywhere. Oh, that is true. Are they going to paint flowers on the walls? Perhaps. And then children will have access to the festival's play garden and family play zone. And, you know, I'm always a big fan of the Butterfly Garden, which will be the Goodness Garden Butterfly House presented by Go Go Squeeze. Woo! Uh, one day I hope to have the podcast uh, sponsored by Go Go Squeeze. <laughs> Maybe if you're lucky. If we're lucky. Someday. Um, Disney Parks blog has a new wallpaper for Halloween time. It's like a, looks like a sort of a candy apple decorated with uh, different candies. If you like that sort of thing uh, and you would like a Halloween-themed Disney wallpaper, head over to the Disney Parks blog to download that. Um, In Star Wars news, sort of. Yes. Big Star Wars news, which I will take for the nerd factor. Okay. Or geek factor. I'm not sure. Nerd or geek? Which which one do you prefer? Would you rather have your husband being a geek? I think it's more geeky. What'd you ask me for? Um, so Thursday, September 26th is going to be the live stream reveal. Uh, yes. A live stream reveal from the Pinewood Studios in London, where much of the Star Wars Rise of the Sky of Skywalker was filmed. 
Um, they're going to debut uh, a bunch of new products related to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which I believe is a video game. Uh, so that is 2 p.m. on the 26th, and it is going to be via live uh, and recorded vignettes, and it's going to be a bunch of Star Wars uh, actors uh, and people, including Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Anthony Daniels, Billy D. Williams, Pedro Pascal, Cameron Monaghan, and more. And people who watch the live stream will be treated to the worldwide premiere of the new trailer for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, I thought it was the movie. It's the new trailer for the video game. I got all Aww, excited for a darn. <sighs> Nerd. <laughs> um, and this is all in preparation for Triple Force Friday, which is coming up on October 4th. And that is when a bunch of new Star Wars products related to these uh, three Star Wars entities will be uh, released. I know Downtown Disney uh, in California and Disney Springs... World of Disney stores will be opening at midnight on October 4th. I know last time they did this, our local Target opened at midnight. A lot of the local Targets uh, opened at midnight. It's kind of a big thing. Um, okay, sure it is. So a lot of products. And then, of course, what will come is the obligatory. Uh, everybody will be doing their unboxing right, videos. Yeah. And one year, they actually, that's how they did the, the product reviews, was through a series of unboxing videos, which was which was pretty interesting if you like watching people take stuff out of boxes. <laughs> Uh, so that is our daily Star Wars news. Do we have any any more Galaxy's Edge news for for today? No, no more Galaxy's Edge news. Um, let's see. We have some more Epcot news. We sort of talked about this before. Um, Epcot Forever. They have some behind the scenes footage. Uh, the last time we talked about that footage, I think it included. It showed some of the kites with the I don't know what the lasers on their tails or whatever. Laser it was. kites. Yeah. Which are almost as cool as sharks with lasers on their <laughs> frickin' foreheads. <laughs> almost. Um, so they now have a piece that is focused on the music, which was really the interesting part of the first one anyway. Um, it's a behind-the-scenes look at the creation of the music for Epcot Forever. So uh, it shows the orchestra and the singers that they brought, they brought in. Right, and uh, the cool thing about this um, show is that Classic music like Magic Journeys, Tomorrow, Ch- Tomorrow's Child, Listen to the Land, and One Little Spark uh, are going to uh, be a part of the show, but in fresh new arrangements. Yeah, arrangements. Uh, the music was done by the London Symphony Orchestra, and it was recorded at the Abbey Road Studios uh, with singers uh, from across Central Florida. So that looks exciting. The show will make its grand debut on October 1st, mm-hmm. and this is just another behind-the-scenes look. Right, yes. And if you'd like to see that, we found it on the Disney Parks blog. We can post it to the page. Tony's going to post it to the page. Very good. Thank you, Tony. Tony probably already have posted it to the page by the time you hear this. Probably. Um, There's been another entertainment cut. There's, you know... This is almost like like a daily occurrence Yeah, it seems like there's one just about every day. Um, This time it's at Animal Kingdom. And according to a tweet by Chris Reed, the dance party at Donald's Dino Bash ended yesterday, which was September 23rd. Um, Chris was the party voice of WDNO Radio since the show started over a year ago in Dino Land, USA. So, uh, you know, I'm not really going to notice that it's gone, but Chris Reed certainly is because I think he's out of a job. Yes. Um, But you know what? One less dance party is a victory for all of us. Oh, come on now. Unfortunately, well, it seems like the only person that's leaving out of this is Chris Reed because the characters are still there. They're just not dancing. 
Right. They're still available for meet and greets, uh, but the live DJ element is being removed. Yep. So uh, when they say that there's an entertainment cut, it's essentially a Chris one Reed guy. cut. Yeah, yeah, it's one so, guy. Sorry, well, that Chris. one is one guy. I don't know Chris, but I'm sure he does excellent work. <laughs> Let's see. So, oh, we also talked yesterday or the day before about the new details that were revealed for the 2019 Epcot International Festival of the Holidays, um, but we didn't get into too many of those details. All we talked about was the new candlelight processional storytellers, um, but we didn't talk about the food choices and the cookie stroll. Where are we on time? We have, we're at 13 minutes. I have, I have so many, I have what, seven minutes to talk about, to talk about food. Well, not so fast. There's no. actually still one more story out there. It's a stupid story, isn't it? It's not a stupid story. It's uh, it's another Star Wars story, but it's not related to Galaxy's Edge. It's a stupid story. So Bob Iger, the CEO of Walt Disney for the past 15 years, has a new memoir coming out called The Ride of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as CEO of the Walt Disney Company, which is probably one of the worst titles I've ever heard, by the way. Um, maybe The Ride of a Lifetime. That would have been they could have stopped good. There. They could have stopped there. Uh, but uh, it in it, he talks about how uh, they dealt with George Lucas when Disney purchased Star Wars from Lucasfilm in 2012. Actually, when they purchased Lucasfilm, and Star Wars was a, a component of that. Uh, along with the purchase came the outlines for the final three films in the trilogy, which George had worked on uh, over the years. Um, Lucas learned that Disney was not going to use it when he met with J.J. Abrams and uh, Kathleen Kennedy uh, to talk about the new trilogy. George felt betrayed. Um, and then at a private screening, he told Iger that there was nothing new and that there weren't enough technological improvements in the trilogy. So it seems that George Lucas became his became the, the, the franchise's largest fanboy uh, as a result of the Disney purchase, that he has the same complaints that many, many people have. Right, and and those complaints may be part of the reason why we're not seeing the turnout um, at Galaxy's Edge that you know maybe was anticipated because you know the same people who just aren't very excited about the new movies that were diehards of the you know the older movies right um, are very I I guess angry with Disney and and want kind of nothing to do with Disney they're not taking their families to Disney World anyway right um, definitely not for something Star Wars related no matter that they would consider themselves to be huge Star Wars fans mm-hmm. and and Bob Iger mentions that he thinks that they that Disney did a disservice to Star Wars by releasing too many movies too quickly which it's funny because uh, Cheryl and I were talking earlier tonight and and we were mentioning how you know they were releasing essentially one movie a year over the past six years. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about, oh, we're, we're, we're flooding the market with Star Wars movies, but on the other hand, you're releasing three, maybe four Marvel movies per year, and that franchise is flourishing. Yeah, but it's just such a different product. It is. There's so much more that you can do in the Marvel universe. universe. There's so many different characters that, you know, go in different directions. There's superpowers. Right, um, and it's a, it's a 50, well, it's actually, it's an 80-year history now of Marvel Comics, so you've got 80 years of history to deal with, whereas when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they came in and said that everything that has happened up to this point, except for the movies, never really happened. So you took whatever history was there and got rid of it. So, well, yeah, and when they bought it, they're saying there was, what, three 
stories or three movies worth of script basically written. Right. I mean, you get Marvel, you've got how many comic, comic books, books right. written? So many stories, so yep. many more than, you know, three movies worth. So, yep. um, yeah, a little bit easier to do that. Now, I think that was an exciting story, and that leaves you at least four minutes to talk about food. Yay, four minutes. Um, so, as I was saying, uh, the 2019 um, International Festival of the Holidays at Epcot... Um, it features the candlelight processional, but it also features something that we got to do a little bit of when we were there last year during the holiday time, and that is the cookie stroll. Do you remember that? I do. So the cookie stroll, it's not free, um, but there's a few different um, locations. They're like stalls or little spots that you walk up to that you can get, you can buy these cookies. Um, and it's it's sort of fun to just go along and try each of each of them. So um, in Germany at the Bavaria Holiday Kitchen, they have a Linzer cookie. Uh, at the American Holiday Table at the America Pavilion, they have a gingerbread cookie. Um, in Canada at the Yukon Holiday Kitchen, there's a peppermint pinwheel cookie. That looks good. I love peppermint. Um, near Mexico at Feast of the Three Kings, they have a chocolate crinkle cookie. And near, uh, I guess, between Morocco and France pavilions, they have La Clum, La Clum, La Hum, La Hum, La Hum, La Hum, La Hum, You're more flummy than me on that I one. Uh, Holiday Kitchen, It they have a black and white cookie. One more time. La Hum. There you go. All right, I got it. Although that sounds rather aggressive. <laughs> La Hum. <laughs> yeah. For a cookie, it might be a And then what happens once you collect all five of, or, or, yeah, I guess collect all five of those cookies? Uh, you can buy the cookie stroll cookie jar. No, you get your free complimentary Santa Mickey sugar cookie. Oh, do I have to go back to like a special? We didn't do this last. So last time we just got eight cookies. I think we tried one of the cookies, maybe two. We didn't get them all. But if you get them all stamped, then you get uh, a sugar cookie. And they also have um, a cookie jar for the... the cookie stroll that you can purchase at holiday markets throughout the world. Because they're never ones to shy away from a merchandising opportunity. Absolutely not. And so these holiday kitchens that we're talking about also are offering special foods. There are a lot of them. I do not have time to go through all of them because Tony cut me short. Um, But they have a Tidings of Joyful Fair. Where is that one? Tell me, Tony. It doesn't really say. It doesn't tell me. Um, Bavaria Holiday Kitchen. That's near Germany. Um, uh, American Holiday Table. Oh, I think we had some. We had that last time. What they offer there? They have the slow roasted turkey with stuffing, mashed oh, potatoes, so and green beans. And I think we got the cookie there. Mm-hmm. And they offer. That's where you pick up the gingerbread, gingerbread cookie, cookie if yep. you'd like that. Um, the Yukon Holiday Kitchen, um, was at the Canada Pavilion, and that's where you got the peppermint pinwheel cookie. They also have, um, a salmon dish and a Canadian wild rice and ham soup. Um, Feast of Three Kings, that's Caribbean style. They've got a couple of different options there that I can't pronounce, so we will skip those. Uh, they have a Holiday Sweets and Treats Pavilion. At the Promenade Ooh. Refreshments. At the Promenade Refreshments, they have a peppermint sundae, chocolate ice cream, whipped cream, and peppermint candy. That sounds good. And they have hot chocolate there and chocolate peppermint shake featuring Twinnings peppermint cheer tea. Mm-hmm. That sounds lovely. 
Lahayam Holiday Kitchen, um, Jewish food with a side of New York flair. It's funny because it's not really holiday food. It's like pastrami on ramen <laughs> and smoked salmon latkes. <laughs> yeah, it's Jewish New York food. What's this one? La Marche de Noel Holiday Kitchen okay, in France. France, yep. Again, they have salmon. Salmon must be a big... Um, must be a big holiday food. I mean, look at Italy. Night of the Seven... Night, Feast of the Seven Fishes or whatever. Right, that's true. Sapphire Holiday Kitchen, Flavors of North Africa, is um, at the Morocco Pavilion. They have uh, lamb and a chicken dish. They also have beignets there. Weren't you just complaining that beignets hmm. were everywhere? They are. Yeah, well, apparently they're in Morocco also. Who knew? Uh, the Tuscany Holiday Kitchen. They've got an Italian flatbread. Um... And a rustic flatbread and a penne pasta. So some options there. No salmon. No salmon. The Shanghai Holiday Kitchen um, in China. Pork and vegetable egg rolls. Mongolian beef. A barbecue pork with steamed rice. It's a bao bun. Mongolian beef bao bun. Oh. How do you say this one? Shiwasu. Yeah, that's over in Japan. Looks like they have a soba noodle dish and a sushi tree. Hmm. Um... The Las Posadas Holiday Kitchen, that's in the Mexico Pavilion, braised pork tostada, and a braised chipotle chicken. Apparently no Jorge Posada. No Jorge Posada. Hmm. So uh, those are some of your options for that. Again, every uh, festival, you know, has to have its foods and uh, and desserts and beverages, so another opportunity to try all those things. Oh, so the Tidings of Joyful Fair was the title is the of conglomeration all of, of all of the kitchens. Okay. Uh, the kitchens are open daily from November 29th to December 30th from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Epcot admission is required. Food and beverage samples require a separate purchase. Um, availability for some items may be uh, limited. So it, it looks like it's an opportunity for them to use the food and wine festival booths yep. once the food and wine festival ends because, as we know, those booths are somewhat semi-permanent now. Yeah, I don't even know if I'd use the word semi. I think they're pretty permanent. Right. So I think you did very well. If anyone would like to hear more information about the individual dishes, you can contact Cheryl directly. You, you call me up and we'll just sit on the phone for hours and talk about food. It'll be fabulous. Uh, but until tomorrow, I'm Tony. And I'm Cheryl. And you've been listening to the Disney Drive Time Podcast.